You're listening to the Bitcoin Takeover Podcast, the Bitcoin podcast for OGs and intermediaries. Make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, and like this episode. Also, read the new BTCT KVR magazine. This episode is sponsored by Wasabi Wallet, Crypto Steel, Shop in a Bit, and Sadodime. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening. Welcome to the Bitcoin Takeover Podcast. I am Vlad, your Bitcoin influencer's influencer, and I'm here with Ben Ark, who is the creator of Ellen Bits and also one of the co-founders of NoStar, that's the way you pronounce it. And he came up with the name as far as I know, and also no, he not is the, name. the CEO. I am the CEO of NoStar. I mean, I, I was called myself that on the, because um, my talk I did here was called uh, the NoStar Commons. So, um, by calling myself the Nostar CIO, CEO, CIO, CEO, I was able to um, talk about how commons can get co-opted. So, because I own Nostar.com, I could then sway lots of noobs who come into Nostar and they Google Nostar um, and then point them at something else, a bit like Bitcoin.com and Roger Ver. Um, yeah, yeah, you channeled your inner Roger Ver. I channeled my inner Roger Ver, yeah. And more recently as well, I actually put a nip in uh, just because I felt I ought to owning Nostar.com for Nostar Cash. Uh, so there is a NIP, and it's like the most hated NIP. <laughs> What's a NIP? Uh, a Nostar implementation possibility. It is it not an abbreviation for a nipple. No, it? no, no, no. It's an unfortunate uh, abbreviation. But we were just saying, actually, before we, we got on air, that um, I think Nostar, part of Nostar's success is it's quite easy to use it as a suffix to make words, like Nostar Riches, um, Nostarific, or like Nostar Renaissance, or you can just add it. Nostagram. Nostagram, yeah, exactly. So all these projects can like use it. Uh, and it's similar with Cashew as well. Like if you have a name for your protocol or project, which people can make innuendos out of, and then they can do word plays on, uh, I think it makes a lot of fun like, to develop on, you know? Yeah, one of the, actually, something I'm quite interested in and I want to work on when I get back is the. Uh, uh, after I registered Nostar.com, the second domain I registered was uh, Nostify.com. Uh, and I think that on Nostar, you could really easily build a, a Spotify, you know, like a Napster type thing. Um, so I want to explore building that. So I might start working on that when I get back. I think there's a couple of other projects which are looking at doing delivering music over Nostar. But... Um, from what I can tell, they haven't put in a nip or anything. It's more just client side, um, which is kind of the wrong way to go. Like you want to have something which the pro people who are using the protocol can then make use of in their own applications. So like Nostar Market, for example, which is NIP15, um, there's a whole bunch of clients which want to implement, like Amethyst. I was talking to Victor about it. He really wants to implement markets in Amethyst. 
So, which I think makes a lot of sense if you look at like Facebook Marketplace and how popular that is. There's something very powerful about when you marry selling stuff with your social graph. Um, and that is the beauty of Nostar, is the, that modularity of NIPs, where you think, well, there's a new NIP here and it has this functionality. Cool, I can just pull that into my client. Um, so yeah, it'd be really nice to kind of get some music sharing. Um, I mean, maybe, the, maybe there is already a NIP for it. It's quite hard to keep up, to be honest, with all those PRs, but I'll have to look through and see if there is something. Maybe somebody's already building it, but I think it'd be a cool project. The last time I interviewed you was two years ago when I asked you specifically more details about Bowser Wallet. And you just casually dropped this idea that you're working on NoStar. And I remember trying it for the first time a few months later. It was a client by Fiat Jeff and it was called Branla. Yeah. So I made NoStar the first thing, I made the first NoStar Twitter client. Because um, before that, it was you know, back end developers, protocol developers refusing to have any like, nice slick UI. Mm -hmm. So I just cloned Twitter, like literally cloned it, and then just used Nostar for it. But it was really buggy. It worked, like, because there weren't that many people using Nostar. Um, but then Fearjaf turned it into a proper project, Brannell. Um, but then sadly, like, he, he made a great design choice to have an actual database for local storage stuff called PouchDB, I think. Um, but as it worked out, it's kind of almost unforeseen, like a computer science blunder, like, it just it made it really slow, the project really slow. So now when you have a lot of data coming through, Brawler doesn't work that well. But I do think that if there's some updates to PouchDB or if there's another way around it, that Brawler could be saved as a project and brought back. And I think it's needed because it is a really nice Twitter clone. Um, and it's completely free and open source. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, uh, and it runs on, you know, you can install it as a progressive web app. So it would be cool to kind of resurrect that project. And it seems like Twitter clones are super popular these days. Everyone makes them. Yeah, I mean, so like, obviously we had this attention from Jack Dorsey and Nostar itself, you know, it advertises itself on this protocol page as um, something for decentralized social networks, which might work, you know, uh, an approach towards decentralizing social networks. But, well, I mean, like, it was partly based on the idea of Diagon Alley, which was a marketplace. And like, it was censorship resistance through resilience, resilient um, infrastructure which is how Nostar works. Um, so, and we also spoke about Uber and replacing a whole bunch of other platforms and applications back in the day. And I think more and more people are waking up to that now. They're like, okay, cool, we can actually use this for more than just Twitter. I think a lot of projects, they were getting encouraged by Jack Dorsey and they were getting zapped millions of sats to work on Twitter clients. And clearly we do need decent Twitter clients and it brings a lot of attention into Nostar. But now I really want to see um, more and more experimentate creativity when it comes to what we can apply a smart client dumb server framework um, what other applications we could apply it to and one one really good one would be um, local bitcoins you know, I hope that someone makes local bitcoins on uh, on Nostar um, I think it's perfectly possible yeah so an important takeaway from this is that it's no star not Nostar it's Nostar yeah Nostar Nostar because Nostar in Welsh means good night um, uh, so yeah, it's Nostar, that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. Although I didn't come up with the name Nostar, that was Fiat Jaff, uh, notes and other stuff transmitted by Relays. Um, so basically I made Diagon Alley, he worked with me and helped me de develop that into a, um, a protocol. And it was using keys and it had that idea of, you know, client side stuff. Um, and then having like dumb indexes which could index products, which if they got taken down, like Pirate Bay, it wouldn't be that bad, you could just create a new one. Um, 
Uh, and then it was like a few months later, that sort of sat and I had like my proof of concept extension on Alan Bits, but um, nothing really happened with it. It was only FHF and another friend of mine, Max, who actually saw, 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 saw value in it. Um, and then a few months later, FHF was like, oh, look at this thing which I've worked on and made. And I was like, oh, cool. And I looked at it and I was like, dude, this is like that. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's, that's part of, this, part of the thing which helped develop the Nostar. So uh, I can't take too much credit, you know, it's FHF's baby. But I instantly, knowing that I'd had some, like, role in the development of Nostar, gave me uh, just, just, you know, I was instantly attached to the project and to the protocol as well. And I think anyone who actually explores Nostar, um, like Jack Dorsey, you know, who's looking at all these different social networks uh, to, to have decentralized censorship-resistant social networks with better forms of uh, moderation and censorship on. And when he finally stumbled across Nostar, um, he became super excited about it because, you know, once you read that and you understand how the protocol works, you realize it's very easy to build clients for. Uh, and then you have this like this renaissance of people just building clients and relays as well, like the relays because they're so dumb and you can get the relays to do some really interesting things. Again, that's another very underdeveloped area of Nostar. But as a service, I think the relay industry is huge. Like there'll be some very uh, successful and profitable companies which come out of the relay space in Nostar. Um, perhaps I'm offering something like, uh, you know, I want a vanilla Twitter experience. Um, so maybe some sort of paid relay where they actually have time to do, have a decent moderation policy. Um, or, yeah, or maybe like specific relays for specific groups of people. Data storage is a big thing because like Twitter pretends to be conversational. It's a conversational format, but then it keeps your tweets forever. So knowing that you're quite guarded, then you don't want to um, publish, you know that it's going to be published forever. So everyone, everyone's communicating in this conversational format, but in a quite a guarded way, like they, they, they understand that it's going to be published forever. Um, and then you get people who come along and they, they just don't care. And they'll speak like they speak down the pub with their mates. And it gives them like huge power because they seem more real. So a Donald Trump who's like, he seems more real. Like he talks like people talk in real life. Um, and he says outrageous, crazy things. And then I, I think that gives them power, like an extra power from, from tweets not being ephemeral and not just disappearing. So I like that Nostar notes um, without being paid to keep the notes, the relays will just delete them over a period of time. And I think some relays, I mean, they will have an advertising model where they advertise things to you and that's how they pay for data storage, whereas other relays, which I would probably use, I would just pay a few sats per megabyte or whatever to store data. Wasabi Wallet is unfairly private. It's the most advanced and most used Bitcoin privacy wallet with half a million downloads across Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, as well as thousands of fresh new Bitcoins getting mixed every month. Wasabi makes use of the new generation Wabi Sabi engine to create mega coin joins, thus mixing your Bitcoins with those of hundreds of other users. For amounts lower than 0.01 BTC and remixes, you pay no coordination fee. Even if you don't use CoinJoins, Wasabi Wallet has a native Tor integration and downloads block filters to help you keep your network level and public key privacy. Download Wasabi Wallet for free today at wasabiwallet.io and experience the future of Bitcoin privacy. Yeah, it's interesting and you're thinking so far ahead. Uh, I think it's just because 
Well, we were, I mean, if you look at the original issues where we were talking about different ideas on Nostar, um, and then uh, look at the people who were putting in PRs for nips and things, I think it's just fun to kind of let your imagination wander um, and, and think of what you can replace with Nostar and, and what the ecosystem will look like as, as time rolls on. Um, but I think as Bitcoin is like, we're in the future, aren't we? Our minds are usually five, ten years in the future when we imagine people will be using the things we're building. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, again, that's partly the, the success of Nostar is that Bitcoiners are very used, Bitcoin developers are very used to thinking about a new fringe protocol in a way where it's being widely used and these are the things which people will probably want to build for it, you know? So I think they're like almost a very unique, and also they have like, obviously Bitcoin developers as well, they have a real deep understanding of just public key crypto, which is a hugely powerful tool. Um, and uh, that means that we just have this, yeah, these extra powers, which other development communities don't have. So we can look at, develop something like Nostar and then think of all these things we're gonna build on top of it. So you're telling me that Nostar came from Diagon Alley, which was an extension for Ellen Bits. Yeah, partly, yeah. So it was the, the Diagon Alley was the marketplace. It was a con proof of concept I had for a marketplace. So I don't like, I'm not that like a dark market guy or anything, but I do like the idea of producers having more, you know, I obviously lean a little bit lefty, and I do like the ideas of producers having more of the value which they sell rather than it going to centralized, to Jeff Bezos. And I think that Jeff Bezos is like a bug in the system, which we can get rid of by having more peer-to-peer -peer um, uh, commerce. And um, I also just like the, you know, the classic prisoner dilemma, um, you know, with the, you know, you've, you know, the one where you've stolen a diamond and then we arrange to buy the diamond and, and then you have to trust the other person. Do you trust the other person? So having like trustless commerce is just a very interesting computer science problem to try and solve. And it's, it's, it's not, I don't think it's possible, but you can get on that spectrum. You can get quite far towards trustlessness. And so I think that's probably why I was interested. I remember specifically thinking about that game theoretical issue when I was kind of imagining Diagon Alley. Um, and it was a cool concept. Like, uh, and now what's great about it is now we have Nostar, we made NIP15, and it, it, like, man, it works. I, I demoed um, Vlad, uh, one of the developers who works in LMBits, who's um, built out, pretty much built out the marketplace extension. He's got a new update for a, a market, for the market. So basically we have a market, the marketplace, sorry, Nostar Market is um, just a couple of clients. So you have the merchant backend client, basically, where they manage all their products and stuff. And then they sign all the products, send it off up to the relays. And then if someone's subscribed to that public key or they go to, they get a list of public keys for different types of products or whatever, there's another client, which is the marketplace. And by, by client, I mean this is software which just runs either locally in your browser after you download it from, you know, when you go to the website or you run it literally locally, like you just as a whatever, like a HTML file, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so uh, the marketplace client, you give it the public keys, it pulls all the products in and then it orders them and makes it look like, a, you know, like an Amazon or an eBay or something. But again, what's cool about it, because you've got the permissionless development, uh, we had our original marketplace design which I quite liked, but showing as when we were watching people using it, they weren't sure where to put the keys to get the merchant data and blah, blah, blah. So 
Vlad has made a really nice update where... And by Vlad, you mean Vlad Stan, who is the other Vlad Romanian Stan, the Vlad. other Vlad. It's very confusing. There's all these Vlads from uh, from Romania. There are lots of Bens, so... <laughs> yeah, that's true. You should have a Vlad group. Have you got a Vlad group? I there are only like two of us, as far as I know. Oh, there's probably loads out there. You should make a Vlad union, a Vlad Bitcoiners. Um, yeah, he's great, man. Like, big shout out to his the amount of the work he puts into Ellenbits. It's incredible. And he's very ex excited about the Nostar market stuff. So anyway, he's made a new marketplace client, which is a little bit more like Etsy. And then that's cool because it's like permissionless development. So you could have, you know, dozens of different marketplace clients. They're basically doing the same thing. They're just pulling in products and you can buy a product on that from a merchant. But how you want to see that, how you want that user experience is kind of up to you or different groups of consumers. Um, uh, so... Which is, again, you know, might be cool if it was put into something like Amethyst or I think Snort.Social as well, we're talking about it, um, adding marketplaces. So, yeah, it's exciting. And I've had some, like, real crypto anarchist uh, cypherpunk types who are like, man, no stop market, and they're really psyched about the concept of it as well, so that's kind of fun too. <laughs> yeah, there's so much cool stuff that you're doing. I attended one of your workshops yesterday. And you showed us how to, basically, we had options, either a Lightning ATM yep. on these LilyGo devices. Little POS thingy, yeah. Or a hardware wallet. Yeah, DIY hardware wallet, $10 DIY hardware wallet. Yeah. With PSBT, it works basically just like cold card yep. for $10, which it is can do. incredible. It can, it can work like cold card, where you have an SD card and you, you egg app. Or you can plug it in and send it over the wire, like the PSBT, more like a Trezor type mm -hmm. thing. Um, actually, the on-chain wallet extension, because um, uh, uh, Stick from uh, Trezor, like, that dude's so productive. He's, like, grinding on Trezor, and then he's, like, committing to all these free and open source projects. But one of the projects which has recently piqued his interest has been Nylon Bits, and he's putting some amazing commits to Nylon Bits. So kind of like as a thank you, we were like, we, we implemented the Trezor support also for the on-chain wallet extension. And we're like, you've got a DIY hardware wallet, which is cool. But of course, if you're going to use it for a big stash of Bitcoin, we advise that you use a Trezor because Trezor is great, you know? Um, so yeah, so it's nice that people have those options there. But so, so uh, what was I saying? All right, so yeah, we have the DIY hardware wallet, $10 DIY hardware wallet. And then what else was there? The ATM, the POS. And there's also oh, that the lightning thing. bolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just like a, the bare bones, like not bare bones, but it's, it's a very cheap development ESP32 board with loads of GPIOs. And then a relay. And the ESP32 connects to the Wi-Fi, connects to a web socket on your LMBits and an extension in LMBits. When a payment hits, a, the extension is just looking at a wallet. When the payment uh, hits the wallet, um, no, sorry, that's a lie. The, the extension makes an LNURL pay, and then when the payment goes through, um, and it has that particular ID for that particular switch, it then triggers the WebSocket, so it sends the WebSocket, which is connected, the ESP32, which is connected over the WebSocket to the server, it then just sends, it's just two integers. It's like a 15 and then 10,000. And then the ESP32, it will know that the, that means turn, GPIO 15 on for so set it to high for 10, 10 milliseconds, 10 seconds, it's like 10,000 milliseconds, and then that turns the thing on for 10 seconds, and then you can go in and you can change the amount of time. So if you're attaching it to an arcade machine to trigger a coin drop, you would have it as like 300 milliseconds, like a coin going through. 
to, to, to trigger the coin thing. Uh, whereas if it was like a vending machine, it might be for 10 seconds. Or if it was with the, the lights we were doing yesterday, maybe you want to turn it off for like a minute, you know? Um, but we were like, I just did it, I made it as an example of the Switch project. So you can, once you've made it, you can just take it, that little module, and put it in, you know, a coffee machine, a beer tap, a vending machine, whatever. Um, but there was someone there who does YouTube streaming, and they were like, they were going to put the QR code in the stream and then just have the bot behind them. So the users, when they tip them, they just get like a little bit of, um, uh, yeah, like a little kind of reward. CryptoSteel is the original Bitcoin cold storage backup, and it's been innovating self-custody since 2013. Designed and manufactured in Europe from the finest and most resistant stainless steel, the CryptoSteel cassette and the CryptoSteel capsule are industry standards. These cold storage devices are made to resist house fires, extreme floods, and physical shocks. You can also use CryptoSteel to store your important passwords, VIP39 passphrase, or Noster private key. Buy your crypto steel today from cryptosteel.com and use promo code BTCTKVR to get a 10% discount. Crypto steel. Secure your Bitcoin like an OG. Yeah, it's like those recent TikTok videos. Have you seen them? No. Where they react to emojis and they get paid in TikTok tokens to do that. Oh, they ripped us off, man. We did that with Streamer Copilot on Alan Bits. You did. And there was even when you were on the Bitcoin group on the show. The slapping machine. Yeah, you had the slapping machine, you had uh, dispensers for stuff. Like machines, lo yeah. Lots of creative ways to incentivize people to donate so that yeah. something from real life interacts with yourself. It's huge. I think it's huge. Like, we... I actually think, I mean, there's entire industries where that kind of technology would be very useful. Um, like, uh, I think the sex industry, like, they could be a very useful application. And uh, this is why I'm... I'm interested in people building like camming solutions with for the, the sex industry it's a huge industry of people who are often unbanked often want to use bitcoin uh, often you know like the pro value proposition of bitcoin um but we kind of don't reach out to that industry enough and ask them to use our things so it's always kind of like the conversation when you ex talk about the switch and then talk about having it in a video stream and then it activating a physical device. They're like, oh, so interesting. Could you do like, yeah, of course they could. So um, as far as I know, that's not yet happened. But when it does happen, I'll be, I'll be really like, excited. I'll be like, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, you should speak with John Carvalho. He used to run Exotica. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Exotica, um, for me, I thought was really interesting because lots of people were using Exotica. So for those who don't know, Exotica was a, a cam website, um, but it was using Bitcoin. But this was on-chain Bitcoin, it wasn't Lightning. And uh, uh, what was interesting about Exotica was, was there were people using it outside of the sex industry, just as a generalized video um, platform, you know, mm -hmm. a cam platform, I don't know what you call it. Um, so I was, I've always been interested in someone developing that. So I it was I, like Twitch before Twitch blew up. Yeah, I think I made something called Satsi a while back, and that was like uh, using Jitsi. So you could have like a video stream on the Jitsi feed, and then people could comment and stuff, and then they could pay. And I think I probably turned that into Streamer Copilot. Um, but uh, there's, yeah, there, I mean, the audience, they want to give value back, you know, that value for value idea. They want to give value to the thing they're consuming, but then giving them a reward is just kind of good game reward mechanics, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool to see more of that stuff being developed. 
all of our extensions and Nanon bits, are, they're great, but they all have huge potential to grow more, you know? Like the Streamer Copilot extension. There's so many things you could do with that thing. Um, so anyone out there who's a developer and they want to, you know, tweak around with some of our extensions and add some extra functionality, then we have thousands of users who would be very grateful. <laughs> I do recall the first time when I tried Ellen Bits, it had a handful of extensions. Yeah. But they're all useful, like Ellen URL, the one that lets you create faucets and yeah. stuff like that. Withdraw, yeah. Withdraw, yeah. But right now, if you look at it, it has more than 100, I think. No, we're, like, we're less than that. We're 30, 30 odd, I think. 30 odd. Really? Yeah, but we have, there's a bunch in the community which we need to, they're not, so basically, we did a lot of work, because um, when you probably first looked at Ellen Bits, we were packaging in the extensions, but we really wanted that WordPress experience where you start off with something very simple, then you install the extensions. Mm -hmm. So Vlad actually built the system so we can, um, you can have a repo for your extension, you create a release, and then there's like a manifest file, and as long as your Ellen Bits install has that, it will say, oh, there's a new update for this. There's a, you can go and you install the extension, it will go get the release, unzip it, build the database, do everything. It's so fast as well. Um, and then it will also ping you on the extension site, site uh, page if there's like a new update to the extension as well. Um, so it's a very powerful system that's been built. And um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's great. But the, so we have a list of, a bit like WordPress, of vetted extensions, you know? Where we go in, someone PRs the, it's like a JSON config. They PR it with their extension. Then we go and look at the extension because it's got a hash. We can verify this is the release which will be pulled. Um, and then we can check to make sure it's not doing anything fishy and there's no bugs in it. And then once we've done that process, um, so when you install Allen Bits, it comes packaged with the vetted extension manifest file, uh, manifest, um, yeah, uh, file, which means that you can access those 30 extensions. So if someone wants to make your, their extension available to an LMBits user from the moment they install their LMBits, then they would need to submit it to the vetted extensions. It's just like WordPress, like when you submit a plugin to WordPress. Yeah. Uh, it's a great, but you can also, I mean, just like WordPress, you can go and install dodgy extensions if you want, but um, it's just to, for security reasons, we have like a list of extensions we know we've looked at, um, uh, which I think there's loads of opportunities in just having that. And, uh, but it does mean that there's, there's maybe, I don't know, like a dozen, couple of dozen extensions out there in the wild. People are using custom extensions. There's a few which we need to, people have PR'd to the vetted extension list and we actually need to go through and check them. But kind of, that kind of involves a little bit of work. So we need to, this is, we wanted to build in some permission systems. So there's only so much damage an extension could ever do. Um, uh, and then also there's, we need to restrict like, certain parts of core it can have access to. But once we do that, you'll make it that little bit easier just to vet those extensions. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's still loads of room for it to grow. But we're getting our beta, I think, maybe a couple of months, two, three months. We're gonna, for what it's worth, we're gonna get an audit done. I think audits are probably a bit of a waste of time, but just for our own peace of mind, we're gonna have, have someone audit core. Um, in fact, Stick's gonna help us with that because there's some legit you know, hackers in Prague who can help us with that stuff. But apart from that, I mean, it's been hardened in the wild. We've had our demo server, Island Bits demo server, running for three years now. 
Um, and, uh, you know, at certain points we had little bugs and lost a little bit of money, but most of the money's still on there. And it's, it means that having it hardened in the wild, that if you incorporate into your stack, that you know this thing's been attacked. Because if, if anyone who builds, like, just a lightning solution on top of a node, they're going to have probably, like, a dozen vulnerabilities. Just everyone has them as soon as you build a, 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 a project, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if they're using, like, LMBits, they, they know those vulnerabilities have been addressed. Um, maybe there's some more we don't know about, but this is why we're... Hopefully, that will get flagged up in the um, audit. Remember the paper wallet? Ah, uh, yes. The good old days when you printed your Bitcoin private key on an offline computer? It was so fun, but not really easy and totally not secure. Today, we have Sadodime, a chip card that acts just like your good old paper wallet, but with all the modern security features and top-notch functionality. It turns your Bitcoin into a bearer asset, which you can easily trade in person. Thanks to NFC, you can use the Sadodime card with your smartphone. Creating a new pair of Bitcoin keys takes just two swipes. Check your balance in real time, create multiple key pairs. Whenever you want, you can reveal your Bitcoin wallet's private key with just a single click. The simple uncluttered interface lets you quickly see if a key pair has been unsealed. Finally, the cold storage you've been looking for. Available now on sadodime.io. It's interesting about Ellen Bits that it started as this basic lightning wallet project. And now it's an ecosystem for lots of applications. We always wanted extensions on that. It really was like WordPress. I, 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 people give WordPress a lot of stick because it's you know running PHP or whatever. Um, but it's successful because you start off with something simple, so your attack vector small, and then you install the plugins which you want to use. You add that extra functionality, and it's just a few clicks. Um, and with Alan Bits, it was like we wanted a wallet account system where each wallet has its own API keys. But then we always wanted that because we were like, you know, we're, we're, we're the builders. We're the, you know, we're the, we, it kind of came out of those Telegram groups like LNURL and uh, the LNTX bot group. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, so those lightning Telegram groups where like we're building stuff. We're building like faucets. We're building points of sale. We're building. And it, so it just sort of made sense to just have it in one place. And you could just get the, you could just develop an extension, pull it in and then install it. Um, but yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice to kind of come from that very practical. Want to get their hands dirty. Want to start building stuff. And I think that's actually the best way to come up with ideas. Is you start trying to just start trying to build anything. Like you have a new set of tools. I don't know. Maybe you're building like an AI thing without interacting in Lightning. I need to do this because I, I keep kind of rejecting the AI stuff um, and how important it will be with Bitcoin instinctively. But I actually just need to install some my own LNM, and I need to somehow connect it with LNM bits, and then I need to sort of play around with it. And just that process, I'd be like, oh, shit, I could do this with it. And then I'm like, and then, oh, no, I can't because there's something stopping me from doing that. Well, I'll build the thing which is stopping me from doing that. And then, lo and behold, there's like, you know, 100,000 other people who are like, oh, there's a thing which fixes that thing which I needed to do to build the thing I want to build. So, like, you gotta, you got to, in order to get that ball, in order to get momentum, you've just got to get, pushed, get that ball rolling, you know? Uh, give, it a, give it a little push and then see where you end up. What I like the most about your seminars and presentations is that you come up with new ideas as you're thinking about something that you have done maybe a hundred times or more. What do you mean? 
Oh right, yeah, maybe. You, it's a live brainstorming session where oh, you realize, yeah, yeah, you discover something new and you're like, oh, this doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? And then you backtrack and fix it live, and it's pretty impressive how fast you do it. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm curious nowadays, what keeps you busy? What keeps your mind occupied, and what do you want to do next? Well, we so we, we've because we have the um, Elmbits Inc. where we it, like like WordPress.com. There's legitimate services. We can offer um, the free and open source software and free and open source community, um, which don't like compromise the free and open source project because that's a real issue. Like a great free and open, there's been plenty of them. A great free and open source project, they get some funding to make it for profit arm, and then they they I don't know they have like a enterprise version of the free and open source project, which all the development goes to. And then they have the community version, and that turns to a piece of shit. So that you have to be careful when you're creating a for-profit enterprise, which is going to help pay for some of the stuff work you need to get done on the free and open source project. And again, I think WordPress have they've approached this really nicely. Um, and uh, this is like little, you know, tweaks. Like you have, like with us, we've got our shop, we have our software as a service, so people can like you can go to alanbits.com, and if you can't be bothered going and getting a VPS, you can spin up. And Alan Bits for let's say 21 sats an hour, um, and actually that's kind of interesting because you can, we we could literally spin up an Alan Bits for you know a meetup, and then use it for the meetup, and then just shut it down, you know, just have it run for like four hours, connect it to your uh, custodial wallet or your node or whatever, your LND over Tor, use it for a few hours, then just shut it down. Um, so yeah, so we have that as a as a service which we're offering as well. Um, and then I think WordPress as well. I think they make some money because they plugin system. If you if you're just making a, a free plugin for people to use, they just submit it and wait for them to you know look at it. But if you're creating a premium plugin where there's extra functionality you have to pay for, then I think WordPress.com take a small like a percentage, like three percent mm -hmm. or something on payments. What that means though is. Um, they can amass quite a lot of capital to then help feedback and, and help build the WordPress uh, free and open source software just by, you know, taking that little cut. So we will probably do the same with vetted extensions. If someone makes like a premium extension and they're charging for those extra features, we charge a few percent for that and then use that then to go back into the development of LMBits. Um, but yeah, so that's a nice way we could monetize and it doesn't, impact or compromise the free and opens because ultimately you could just make a different manifest file and you know let people put their premium extensions on there and not charge anything for that service so um it doesn't compromise the integrity of the free and open source software it just makes it stronger makes it better um and more secure as well um but off the back of that i mean like wordpress.com it's a 6.5 billion dollar company um and there's a 600 billion dollar industry plugins and i think that ellen bits you know i imagine i mean it's useful like people like it they use it so as long as we go on the same trajectory we were going on i think it's going to be like a, a really nice relationship between this company and then the free and open source project so far it's been great but that sorry what was your question that was a question was what have you been working on so but the only issue is that obviously takes time so you know um uh Working on the Alan Bits Inc. has taken time, and it means that I do a little bit less development time, and that I find that quite hard. So um, I can't—I don't think I can announce it yet—but we have 
uh, like a CBO who's going to be helping with Alan Bits. And it's the most perfect person you could imagine. Uh, but what that means is while they're exploring those products, I can get back to just like grinding and building stuff, mm-hmm. which I'm really quite looking forward to. Uh, I believe you. Yeah. You're a builder. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So is there anything that you would want to build right now if you had the time? I think Nostify and, and the Uber thing too. Um, I'm going to give someone a bounty for the Uber thing, the Nostar Uber. Uh, Nostar Uber. And um, yeah, there was a bunch of stuff. I forget. I have these ideas. I have ideas, and I forget them quite quickly. So I need to write them down. But yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's some other things I want to build too. Um, but I think with Alan Bits, because I'm really so I, I don't really care about the AI stuff. I think it using Bitcoin is dependent upon it developing in a certain direction, like having lots of little domain-specific AIs and LMs and things, which, keep, which are selling value to each other. And I think we're, we're all currently all just using ChatGPT4. So I kind of feel that's where the direction in which it will continue to go. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah, but I am really excited about Nostar and Nostar's relationship to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, I want more ways of people to be able to send value to Nostar because Nostar isn't Bitcoin, as, even though they go very well together. Um, but I'm very excited about Nostar and Bitcoin. And uh, I think we can, in Ellen Bits, we can build out a lot more extensions and functionality which will help people develop Nostar uh, applications which are using Bitcoin and Lightning. So for me, because I think the momentum on the Nostar industry and ecosystem and free and open source projects is just absolutely huge. Um, so for me, that's, that's really where my interest lies, is Nostar. Um, and pulling it more into doing more stuff with Alan Bits and Nostar. Shop and Bit is the online store where you can buy anything with your Bitcoin. Choose between more than 800,000 products, book flights and hotels, and order everything else through the concierge service. With Shop and Bit, you can buy your weekly groceries, get the latest iPhone, upgrade your computer, buy something sexy for your new girlfriend, book a trip to El Salvador through the travel hacking service, and also grab a copy of the latest Bitcoin takeover magazine to read in the airplane. Everything is integrated with a familiar shopping experience that doesn't track you and deletes your data after the order gets completed. You also get a 3% discount if you pay in Bitcoin. Try Shopping Bit today and use promo code BTCTKVR for a 5 euro discount on your first order. So much cool stuff. So much cool stuff, man. And you yourself as well. These magazines are just... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm always in awe how... As far as I can... know, they're going to be sold on Yellen Bit's website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And there's going to be a special purple cover for it. So if you're a collector of magazines, you should check that out. Oh, that's cool. We could, like, sign it and stuff, couldn't we? Yes, you can. Do you have... Can I buy all the Bitcoin takeovers in, like, a box? No. No. Or can I buy... I suppose you're always bringing out new ones anyway, aren't you? I mean, there is the open source edition for everything, but it has a specific cover, and it's not signed by me. So those are two signs that they're made by someone else. I have a specific quality standard for paper. I sign them, and I also make sure that when I get them to events like this one, Mallorca Blockchain Days, I got to thank Chris and everyone for inviting me. But when I get them to events, I make sure that I change the cover. Yeah, so yeah. that it feels special for that it does. occasion. It really does. Yeah, yeah. and um, 
people can, it's free and open source, so people can go and print them and distribute them for free. So, but you, but the, 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 the model is that you should be sent back uh, like commission or not commission, what would you call it? Like a, a percentage of sales. That's it's not mandatory. I mean, is it not? You, that's you, what we're doing with Alan Bits, isn't it? I hope. That you can give me a percentage, which I appreciate, yeah, but you do don't that, have yeah. to. No, let's do that now. My model is that I take sponsorship yeah. and I put full page ads in the magazine. Yeah. When you print your own copy, you can remove them. Okay, yeah. If you want. Yeah. I mean, that's a possibility. Most people don't, and yeah. I'm grateful that they don't because they offered me the opportunity to tell the sponsors that I was able to deliver more. And. Yeah, that's maybe it'd be cool to like do a because I I mean I like I like subscription services. Mm -hmm. I like randomly forgetting I'm on a subs. I mean obviously you forget about the subscription service, but I like randomly forgetting that I'm on a, a subscription service. And every however many months, six months, four months, three months, you just get this new thing in the post. Yep. So if there was like a subscription service for Bitcoin takeover, I mean that would be super. I cool. would like totally sign up for it. Maybe we should do an Alan bits where people can like enter the subscription service, and then we'll just send them the newest copy of Bitcoin Takeover. Based on my experience, unfortunately, people prefer Patreon because they pay with fiat. Yeah. And they have this mindset that if they're going to spend their Bitcoin, they're going to have their pizza event. Yeah. Like yeah. Laszlo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, you know, we're at a point, it's been 14 and a half years since Bitcoin launched. It's not as new. No. Almost everyone around the world knows about it. Maybe that I'm not bullish enough, but I don't think we're going to do another 10x from here. Really? Maybe no, no, in I do. 20 years or something. But We're like, we're really, I mean, the we're, we're, we're just sort of crawling out of some bear market. But the I, th I just feel like the, there's this bedrock of incredibly accomplished, bright, enthusiastic Bitcoiners who, will, who have got diamond hands and they'll just yeah, hold yeah. forever. Um, and then that, that little thin slither of trading liquidity is every time we have like bear cycle, you get that, that bedrock increases and then that stuff on top decreases, which means that I, I, I'm, to me, it's not this Bitcoin is like quadrupled in value in short periods of time many times before. And I feel it could do it could do that now. Like it could do we could be at 100K in like a month, you know, or two months. Like I feel like. With some of the new cycles and with some of the connections, maybe with the Nostar stuff as well, the amount of tension which Bitcoin is getting, I, I feel super duper crazy bullish. Like it's gonna, the price is gonna go crackers, and then we'll have to put up with all the noobs coming in and fucking pisses us off and ruining our conferences. But oh, oh well. <laughs> I actually had this pitch during my presentation today. Yeah. Basically, if everyone gets a Breaking Fud magazine yeah. and we onboard, let's say a million skeptics and each one of them buys Bitcoin worth of, let's say, $100. Yeah. That's $100 million of Bitcoin that's being bought. But if 1 billion people buy them, that's $100 billion. And yeah, that's yeah, going yeah. to move the market. And we're going to pump the price, just grassroots, and then the institutions will FOMO. And yeah. then we'll dump on the institutions. We're yeah, going to buy Lambos. Yeah. Not Lambos, Toyota Supras, because that's the plebs Lambo. Yeah. And then we get girlfriends, and then the institutions have weak hands. They're going to sell too. They're so going to crash up, the buy price. Buy that cheap and Bitcoin. we buy the dip. And then it happens again. And we screw the institutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and then walk off into the sunset, exactly. leaving a better world behind us. <laughs> yeah, the Trojan's definitely behind enemy lines now. There's no stopping it, which is always the fear originally. But yeah, I used to 
years ago, like standing in my little village and just think, I'm the only person who knows about Bitcoin here and has, you know, this tinsy-wincy little amount of Bitcoin. All there needs to be is a few more of me in my village and then that times the world. And then that was, you know, fairly modest values of Bitcoin. And then Bitcoin would be obviously worth a lot more. So to do that math is really exciting. Like you say, if you just onboard X amount of people, they bring X amount of value on average. That creates, you know, I mean, we don't like to, obviously we're too mature and cultural to do price speculation, but it is a really fun activity to do every now and then. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun to think about grassroots adoption as opposed to yeah. begging institutions to buy some. Because yeah. we, why have we not learned this lesson? The yeah. institutions don't really care about the fundamental values. They just want to be exposed to the volatility when the price is low and there's oh, yeah. upside. Yeah. And they're going to sell the top. Tesla dumped on us. There was also... What was the other one that sold? Well, this is why, you know, when we get the new billionaire who's been in Bitcoin for a couple of years and they say all the fancy things, they, get all the, they say all the nice things on Twitter and they all, do all the big statements, you know, Bitcoin is space time, Bitcoin is blah, blah. And then everyone likes, oh, wow, these people are so amazing. And, uh, and then the billionaire, like, a year later is like, oh, I don't like Bitcoin. And they just dump on the market. And then we're like, oh, man, I didn't like that guy. <laughs> So yeah, I, I always kind of get a bit twitchy when we have one of those turn up. I won't, I won't name names, but you know, with our ecosystem, periodically we've had them turn up, and usually it ends in them, you know, screwing us over at some point. <laughs> I mean, there are lots of people you don't like, and I'm surprised sometimes. But you oh, also really? have some unpopular opinions about Bitcoin, like you're not against the idea of adding inflation if it's necessary. No, I mean, I no, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I'm, ne I'm, ne I'm, I'm neither side on the debate on that, really. I just think it's possible. When you look at the whoever's using Bitcoin in the future, their interests will be different to what our interests are right now. So I think that the thing I hate most about, but I think it's kind of necessary. So you have rhetoric and then you have dialectic where you can have change and development through exchange of ideas yes. and then synthesis. And then you have rhetoric, which is, you know, tweets. what we do a lot in Bitcoin, you know, it's like, this is perfect, this thing's perfect. But then there's an inherent risk in that, that it's not perfect. And there are improvements we could make if we were a little bit more subjective. But actually that rhetoric does make people feel more secure in the system because they're like, there will only ever be 21 million. There will, it, it will always have these specific properties. Whereas if it was a little bit more flaky, it's like, well, maybe in the future it'd be like this, and maybe in the future it'd be like that. I think you put it really nicely once, actually. You said that it's, that it's two different approaches. Like there's a, an approach from maybe sometimes in the technical community where they're looking at it as just like technical issues mm -hmm. um, and how the technology will evolve over time. And then there's people maybe in the sort of thought leader community where... Um, uh, what did you, I can't remember the, you, you put it really nicely. We were, I was arguing with someone on Twitter and you de-escalated the argument just yeah, saying it's two different approaches. I said that there's the cypherpunk approach, yeah. which wants for mostly ideological reasons Bitcoin to work. Yeah. And there is the Austrian economic, I guess, but yeah. not necessarily. It's more, it evolved into something else because Austrian economics talks about competition of currencies and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it acquired a taste of its own with Bitcoin. There's the Bitcoin maximalist, but I don't agree that it's a maximalist when you say that Bitcoin is perfect, it should ossify, and nothing else should ever exist. Mm. 
I think it's just conservative. Yeah. Maximalism means that you want to maximize. And in my opinion, maximalism is Lightning Network. Yeah. Maximalism is building stuff like RGB on yeah. top of Lightning. Yeah. It's side chains. It's whatever. Whatever wants we build to on it. Wants to extend the functionality of what Bitcoin is to give it more use cases. Maximalism is maximized. I like that a lot. That's nice. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a good way of putting it. I mean, yeah, I mean the term comes be. from Vitalik, right? He's the one who created this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and then it was co-opted and used as kind of a meme, like a rhetoric meme thing. But the um, so anyway, I, like, I think it's important to be contrarian. So like yesterday, for example, we had a whole bunch of talks telling us that CBDCs were the end of the world, evil. Everything's gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna use it to just control people. And there's, of course, a huge amount of truth in those statements. But there will be countries which make CBDCs based on show me cash. And then people have access to a digital currency which is blinded. So yeah, they're going to be using a central bank's currency, but they're using that anyway. And currently they're using Visa Network and all that information is tracked. Those countries, their currencies will be used more by the general markets. Mm-hmm. So I think there is like a competitive... And there's something interesting about all these countries developing their own CBDCs. They want you to use their currency. And the Gresham's Law thing, I, th- I feel like the technology will meet, the, it will meet, and the technology being available. I think the, I can imagine like a, a country building their currency, their digital currency, on something like Cashew. Um, maybe a smaller country, which hasn't got central banking infrastructure, uh, and they can use the free and open source stack, because that's generally what people do when they haven't got access to resources and building their own stuff. Um, so, anyway, so, so I. That's an interesting field of investigation uh, and, and, and just to think about as well. When you just say it's going to be pure evil and you know, blah, 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 like you're closing yourself off to those. I don't, I don't know. So I think it's good to kind of keep your mind open and even have contrarian opinions with yourself and, and, and argue with yourself and have that dialectic. Um, and I prefer, I find it more stimulating rather than just being like, pig-headed, narrow-minded, ideological. But I do see definitely value in ideology and Bitcoin's ideology as well, because it does attract people. Yeah, yeah, but... But it does put people off too. You've just presented the perfect example of a cypherpunk who likes privacy features in CBDCs, but doesn't think much in terms of supply and demand, because I suppose economists are concerned with the fact that the central bank can issue all of the currency as opposed to well, what's did, happening were, no today you oh, right, with banks private banks, banks that yeah, yeah. print basically money they expand the mo- monetary supply when they give you a loan yeah. and stuff like that so it's more about no, they, they care co- about the control of the currency and the, they care about the privacy of the currency the control is still in the hands of the central or the, the central finance minister because they can change inflation rates which then make banks loan or loan less yeah so the, the levers of control are less with the... I mean, the private bank's not going to be like, I'm just going to loan out loads of money now. Mm-hmm. It's, it will only do that if the interest rates suit them and then the interest rates are set centrally. So a sovereign currency producing countries, they can just produce their own currency, you know? And this is what... Again, like, the, the modern monetary theorists hate what they say, you know, like, ideologically, but investigate it. There's some interesting stuff there. Um... Uh, Warren Mosley, who's the the guy who came up with modern monetary theory, he made huge fat stacks and gains off betting against the Widowmaker Japanese um, 
people were betting against the Japanese economy failing and he was on the other side of that bet and he made a huge amount of money because it didn't fail because they could just print more money. Um, so the modern monetary theorists, are like, you can't apply hard currency economics to soft currencies because the rules don't apply. And you can't apply household economics to uh, a sovereign currency producer because me as a household, I can go bankrupt. But I can't print my own money. A country can print its own money. So if there's a country which has relatively strong infrastructure and it's productive and it has good aggregate you know, growth or whatever, like they can produce more currency. They have a tool which I, I don't have access to. So I shouldn't apply my idea of household economics, which often happens to soft currency, sovereign, uh, sovereign currency producers. So anyway, when I looked at that stuff, because I was very dismissive of soft currency, I was like, well, soft currency is just a technology. And to say it's evil is easy, you know, cognitively to just categorize that type of money as evil. But actually, it's a technology. And most technology has some redeemable features which are interesting. So, yeah, so I, 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 it's just good to be open-minded, I think. Um, but I am going to have to shoot because I've got to fly home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there goes my plane said, back to Wales. Yeah, it's probably back there. <laughs> you said 20 minutes and we ended up talking for 48. Ben, and I could talk for another three hours. Like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. pleasure. You can be followed on Twitter at ArcBTC. You're also on Noster. On yeah. GitHub, I think you are Ben Arc. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Or ArcBTC, I think it might be ARCBTC. <laughs> Pay attention to what Ben is doing because basically some of the stuff that he said today is going to turn into a real project in a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to be like, where does this come from? Well, yeah. you heard it here first. Brazil will have cashew as their national currency. Um, and we'll be like, heard it here first on the Bitcoin Takeover podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Right, cheers. Thank you. Cheers, lad. Make sure you subscribe, leave a comment and like this episode. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.